What's up, everybody? This is a special and very important podcast I'm doing today. We've been talking about some things going on for quite a while in the self-storage industry. And this is one of the most impactful thing, frankly, in, I think, storage history, but one of the most important things when it comes to regulation. And we have a lot of risk in the market today. And that risk is being driven by potential regulation that I've been concerned about. And I know I've been talking to you about this for a while and you probably heard bits and pieces of it, but a lot of people do not understand why. More importantly, they don't understand what's going on, including the people that are talking about regulation. And so today I'm going to cover exactly what's happening, why this has become an issue and a problem. But that's going to explain a lot more things like rate drops. You're going to understand what's going on in certain markets with storage and supply demand and why in a market that has 90% occupancy, we saw a 60% rate drop. There's a lot of numbers that may be associated with this that I'm not showing on the podcast or in this video here. But luckily, I did a full-length YouTube video where I actually walk through and benchmark markets and I compare them to other points in real estate cycles. This is really important to understand. First of all, if you want to be in storage, if you're going to be an operator, an owner, or if you care, if you already are an owner and you care about the future of the industry. Most importantly, to get you involved. I'm not going to lie. I want you to be involved because we are the ones that will talk to regulators and help them understand what's going on. Now, there's a lot of ways we can look at this, and a lot of people, I think, may try to place blame on some of the things that are going on, um, it, 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 but it, it's just the overall environment and the situation that we're in, and it's a confluence of not one thing. Now, essentially, let me lay down the problem here, and then we will go into the explanations so you can understand, because it's not what it seems. That's the problem. What's happening and what people are, are, are assuming is happening is actually not the driving thing. So it's not something you can just turn off and on. And it's going to actually be the new way this industry will work. So uh, I think at this point, regulation is inevitable. Um, and I think it's a genie we can't put back in the box. So the problem now, there has been many news articles um we have wall street journals had some stuff but it hasn't even touched nearly as in-depth as some articles that blatantly call for regulation within storage the problem is this over the past year with all the changes that have been going on um we've seen a lot of things with occupancy rates happen but essentially the problem is people are moving into a storage unit at a $50 rate. And then four or five months later, that's a $200 rate. And it is kind of price gouging. In fact, some of the news articles say it's they're trapped and it's entrapment. Now, let me be very clear. They're not wrong. And one of the problems is there's a harsh reality that we're going to have to face as an industry. The first thing is, is this good? Is this okay? Which uh, doesn't seem to matter too much at this point. Um, jacking somebody's rate up two, three times 
we have been very benefited within the self-storage industry that we are an extraordinarily unregulated industry because at the end of the day, we own property and somebody asks if they can put their stuff on it. And we say, okay, yeah, you can, but I reserve the right to get you off my property anytime I want and I can charge whatever I want for that. You don't live here, right? This isn't like I'm evicting you. Go pick your stuff up and take it out. It's logical that that shouldn't be regulated. I have property that I'm allowed to let you put stuff on and I can rent you out that space, however that looks, which comes in many shapes and forms and sizes, the utility of which it's obviously not family living. It's not industrial. It's something in between. And we don't there we, that shouldn't be regulated it's not housing the implications for individuals are you have to go and pick your stuff up and get it out but what's happened is um people are getting huge rates and storage has become more of a staple than it used to be um and people lots of times need storage not lots of times but most of the time uh in situations when they're in need and not good situations right death, divorce, these are common utilizations of storage. Lots of times people use storage when they have to, not because they want to. Storage is not something that we wake up in the morning and say, I can't wait to go shop the town to find a new place to put my crap. Doesn't happen. So it's made out of necessity. So when people have necessity and then they agree to a price uh, in principle and then on paper, meaning they say, oh, I'm going to choose this place because of this price, and then they go in and sign a contract. Um, to have that price change dramatically, people feel like they're getting taken advantage of. Now, you have to remember, when I'm talking, uh, uh, when I'm talking about changing dramatically, I am talking about 50-plus percent rate increases. Okay, It's not 10, it's not 5. Now, before you say you're against rate increases or and why you know, no, I'm not. I'm not taking anyone's side here. And anyone that knows me definitely knows that's not true uh, because we are market leaders in rates. And I have no problem raising people's rates extraordinarily high. And I have endless case studies you can go see and see how that works. We pioneered the idea of classing out renters deciding who really can take these rate increases or not and extrapolating them on individuals and going very in-depth to maximize occupancy and rates and revenues. And those are our key inputs that we look at. So this isn't, don't, don't go into this thinking that I'm going to take some stand or anything else like that. I'm afraid our industry will be regulated because of what's going on. And I think you need to understand why, because it's not just that we're giving rate increases. That's not it. It's not that simple even though people try to make it look like that is. So today, you need to understand, because if you're going to be in this game, you have to do it too. What? What do you mean? What if I don't want to do it? You will not be able to play. Let me explain. That's our problem. That's our issue. Now we're going to go into why, and then we're going to go into what's coming up and the meaning of this and uh, what you can do and then how to use this information so you can, first of all, perform in your markets. You can actually play in the game and not feel like you're losing. Um, and then two, more importantly, you could find massive opportunity. Uh, this is actually the foundation of our uh, 
opportunistic strategies and things that we use is being able to identify some of these things. So what has happened is this. We've had, as I've gone over self-storage history, self-storage bubble, you guys can go back and look at other videos, things as we look at it. It's important to know these things to understand things like this. So our foundational understanding of the industry, who's playing in it, how we got here, makes us better operators because it makes us be able to identify opportunity and identify what we can do predicated on who's playing and not. So the history and understanding of this asset class is really important. I've said this a million times and I'll say it again. Self-storage is not a real estate asset. It's a business. You have to treat it like one. You have to act like it is. And what we're going to discuss today shows that even more. Now, unlike lots of real estate where these things uh, don't happen or can't happen, it's because the mechanics of it isn't there. So it's not even that it's just they can't. And now we've reached a point where we all have to because after 2008, a few things changed. As everyone knows, we went that listens to the podcast here uh, and uh, um, has seen my videos on YouTube and elsewhere. Prior to 2008, self-storage was um, very much a child when it comes to assets in term of lifespan. Uh, it was not institutionalized, right? There were, and because it wasn't institutionalized, it was mom and pop, single individual owners. There was not infrastructure in this industry in the form of quality, big third party services that go into an industry, things like technology and all sorts of businesses that go to run an industry and provide services to the uh, real, that real estate industry. Um, so self-storage uh, didn't have very much. Why? Because there was no institutionals, there wasn't big players, there wasn't big mo money moving around, so there just wasn't money to be made. On top of that, the owners wouldn't pay for it because you're talking about an industry that average cap rates were like above nine, and their costs were very, very low. So in terms of actual impact, it was very little. So there wasn't a reason to pay for services to increase the efficiency of that asset because the impact to your wealth and overall income was not very much. And more importantly, you didn't have to. There was no reason to. You open up a storage facility and people came and rent and you set the prices. So operators didn't get anything from it. There was no real need to. Um, everyone was mom and pop. I mean, less than 10% was institutionalized. There were no available services to use. I mean, you're talking about not even good third-party management companies. That They didn't even exist. In most of the markets, there was no third-party management companies. Literally didn't exist. So the basics didn't exist, not to mention the servicing of the operations, like using technology and all sorts of different things, call centers and ad stuff. It, like None of that existed, right? It was a yellow page ad and gone. Extra Space came in and they pioneered technology. They brought it into self-storage in a way that had never been seen before. And then they offered institutional level third-party management systems. After the great financial crisis, storage did good. So everybody wanted their money in it. And now Extra Space provided a way that you could put your money into it and they would give you institutional grade um, operations. And they did that through their system that was really the whole basis of it uh, because of the 
tech guy who ran a tech company that went and got into storage was tech. And it worked, and it worked well. So there were lots of players that were more mid-sized players like ourselves. And we recognized this. The problem was we weren't institutionalized and we were trying to bring technology in. We were trying to get group discounts because we needed services and things that just weren't out there. We started uh, Store Local, which was a co-op that was meant to support the individual operator, to be there for the individual operator so they could remain an individual operator and remain competitive, which we still do today. We view that we are on the forefront of allowing you to invest for allowing you to stay in this industry and compete with bigger players because we said this industry is going to consolidate, the players are going to get bigger, technology is going to get more, and the individual operator is going to struggle. So that's what happened. After 2008, management, and you had a third-party institutional-level management. Then you also had capital because everybody wanted to invest in it because it performed so well. And that changed the individual operator stance. Why? Because cap rates went down, their value went up. Now, incrementally, if I can change my rent by 20%, that had a huge effect on my overall value of that asset because cap rates have been pushed down. So that income is leveraged in the form of value. So things really started to matter a lot. And then two, people started to get better and you needed to get better to compete. Why? Because all of a sudden we didn't get tenants because we had doors like we used to. It wasn't drive-by anymore. We got them from online. We got them from ad spend. Well, that meant we had to figure out all new ways of competing online to make it onto that first page to get your ad in. Um, we started acting like businesses, at least the co-op did and the REITs did and some larger players. And they bought and we bought, I'm saying this from my what we did, we bought mom and pops. We consolidated them up. It was like the ultimate real estate roll-up model. And it worked really freaking good. We made a lot of money. Now, this made everything more valuable, right? And it also made everything way more competitive. But because things got more valuable, operators were willing to pay for things and needed things that the REITs had prior. Things like technology, we didn't view things the same way anymore. Occupancy, rates, revenue, we looked very, very differently. But more importantly, 2008 taught us something that would change our industry forever. And the technology and the operations, this third party, and the power of that combined with a lesson that our industry learned was like letting the genie out of the bottle and one that we can't get back in. You see, what we saw traditionally from 2008, once again, data, market analysis, examples from 2008 to today is all on my YouTube video. Go watch it so you can see it with your own eyes and you can see the data. Prior to 2008, the economics of storage, meaning supply demand, were like any other normal real estate asset class, right? So you have lower occupancy and rates dropped, right? Less demand, you charge less because you have to fill up. So in 2008, we saw rental rates that went down. But here's the thing. They went down like half or less of what we've seen in the last year. Now, people say, well, yeah, that's because the industry was overbuilt or there was less demand and everything else. But that's not true at all. In fact, that's 
wildly inaccurate. So we have the largest rate drop in history to the tune of 30%. In some markets, we saw even individual units or entire rates drop more than that. Markets that I'm operating in, which I show the data once again. Um, now, 2008, our average occupancy after 2008 dropped down to 70-something um, percent. We're talking 30% vacancies, right? Um, and the thing is, the high prior to that, we'd reached 1.9 at like 89% occupancy. Other than that, the average occupancy was in the low 80s for the history of storage. When rates dropped this year, historical uh, drops blowing everything out of the water, occupancy reached uh, or hit a low of 90%. That's higher than the entire history pre-2015 or 16's high. Yet rates had historic drops. Now, even more importantly, you think, oh, man, AJ, this industry's over. You guys can't be making money. You're seeing things like that. No, we're making more. REITs posted their drops. Data, again, on YouTube, are up. Revenues are up. Now, that gets everybody scratching their head. And it creates a confusing landscape, which is why I'm here to explain. What the crap happened? Why in the world would we see this? And how can revenues be up? Because guess what? That's not how it worked in 2008. We lost occupancy and dropped rates. Revenues went down. Because in 2008, what we learned would once again change everything. What we learned was that street rates and in-place rates have nothing in common. And once you get a tenant in, they don't leave. In fact, they don't leave even if you double their prices. Our tenants way more sticky than we ever imagined prior to that. We never thought that people would default on their home before they defaulted on a storage unit, but they did. They defaulted on everything before they defaulted, didn't pay their storage unit. Now, that lesson learned that if you're in a my storage unit, the supply and demand economics that we use to set prices, particularly on the street, are irrelevant. So. If I want to compete, how do I compete on getting people? You lower prices. Same thing we did in 2008, right? So if I'm in a market and everyone now has vacancy and we have to compete, you lower prices to get people in. But you never wanted to lower prices too much because then it wouldn't be worth it. You'd be losing money. But what we found out is that we could have our cake and eat it too. That means we could drop a $200 rate to $60 which is more than 50%, and we'd get that tenant because nobody is going to pay 150 over 60 bucks. Remember, during vacancy, storage commoditizes really quickly. Also, because of the development boom after 2015, storage facilities now are very similar in quality because you have so many options of new good storage facilities. Furthering the commoditization and pricing of that street rate. But I got to get people in. So I get them in at 60 bucks, and then, like we see with Publix and others, three months later, 
that 60 bucks is 120. 12 months later, that 120 is 230. So what happens is we get the tenant, but we actually get the higher price. So why would I ever compete and miss a tenant at 150 bucks when I say that tenant's going to be worth over 200 to me anyways? So I'll drop it to 60. As I told my staff, you got to understand in some of these markets and, and environments, literally it doesn't matter. Pay them to move in. Now, that's on not very much vacancy. This isn't, we're not talking about markets that lost all their customers and everything. This is high, but it definitely went down judging the years prior to that. We were at average occupancies of like 97%. And now we started to drop down to 90 and maybe even in the 80s. This is a shocker to all of these new companies, these new funds, these new syndicators, these new money managers, these new owners that had not owned storage prior to 2016. We were spoiled. Now, all that's great, but it doesn't really stop the how, or it really doesn't explain the how and how it happens so quickly. And here's why. Technology. We have what is called revenue management, dynamic pricing. We change prices a lot. Now, these tools that are um, big software programs, they manage rate pricing. And how they do it is this. They scrub the data of the entire market. And when your facility gets below a certain occupancy in a certain unit, it goes, it's more important to get that person in. We got to really try to get people in. We're starting to lose occupancy. So then it scrubs the data of the whole market, sees where pricings are at, where it needs to bid to win people in. So as all of these softwares of these competing facilities started to see rates dropping, guess what the other software did? It dropped rates. Then guess what the other one did? It dropped rates. And it started to escalate and go down. And it didn't matter because they have another software program on the back that says, all right, you're now at 60 bucks. I need you to be at 200. Here's the rate increases that you need to get within a certain period of time. I know the average length of my customer. So we're going to uh, escalate that person now up. Meanwhile, all the other customers are still getting rents. So the two, the person that was paying $200 from last year, they're still getting rental rate increases, even though I'm giving that unit away at a street rate of $60. doesn't matter. So I can set a, uh, a rate at 60% of what Bob is paying or more. The rate spreads are massive. We have some people that are paying 400 and another one that's paying 120. It's like airlines. Every seat, somebody's paying different. So our software systems that allow us to optimize occupancy by competing and scrubbing rates, set those rates to get people in. The technology to do revenue management gets them to the rate that it needs to be. And they're all doing it. So what that meant was market rates fell. The big players started dropping rates Everybody else started to do that, especially when you had one facility in a market that was in fill-up mode, which is crazy. You have one facility in a market that has 2 million square feet of storage. They're brand new. They open it up. They need to get people in. 
So they take a $200 rate and they put it at 50 because they have nobody there. They're brand new. And it's harder to get people in because our customers, there's not as many of them. It's a big change from what it used to be. There's not as much demand for new customers. Well, then all of a sudden they're setting the market and all the other softwares are seeing this and they start to go down because they're losing tenants and they need to compete with the new guy. Which normally they'd say, I'm not competing like that because a $50 rate, I can't pay my bills on a $200 unit. But now they know they can. Now you see how the industry had the largest rate drop in history by far while having 90% occupancy, which is historically the top levels we've ever seen. Now, remember, storage is making money. In fact, it's making more money. You see headlines from Wall Street Journal and others. You're seeing people call out for regulation because people are now ticked. Understandably, my $50 rate went to 200 in six months. In fact, some of these articles even walk through people that started out at 50 bucks. Three years later, they're at 350 or 400. And uh, it's um, people are mad. People are upset. But here's the thing. Because the infrastructure with technology, if you don't do this, remember, and this is important, if your rate's $200 and somebody else is 50, nobody is going to go to your storage facility. It does not happen. No one is paying four times for you. Now, I've done this. I've even explained this to tenants, potential tenants. And I got to tell you, I was too slow. This busy season, everybody, and I fully admit to my investors and everything, I was slow. I should have been more aggressive. I just, the idea of doubling people's rents in such a short period of time, um, not that it scared me, but I didn't like it. It made me sick to my stomach. Now, it's people's junk, right? But it's not. We view ourselves as a storage unit is an expansion of their home. That was like, that was our management motto. It was literally, we are an extension of your home. We are another garage. People work out of our storage facilities. People use our storage facilities daily. They depend on it. And so that, I, I didn't like that. I'm very sensitive, obviously, to our overall reviews and everything, because that, that, gives us ranking on SEO that tells Google we're good. I didn't want to get slaughtered on reviews. And I learned a few months too late that it doesn't matter. I even talked to a tenant and said, yes, but you know, Bob, who's giving you a $50 rate on a $200 thing is just going to up your rates to 200 in the coming months. And they said, yeah, that's, that could be true. In fact, it's probably true, but I can decide then and maybe I'll move out. But at the end of the day, why would I take your rate today at a higher amount? And that was the time that I learned. They don't care. So we're playing now too. Because if we don't, we couldn't get anybody in. It hurt my occupancies, everyone. It did. Because I didn't play the game. Then we ripped the Band-Aid off and I said, we're done. We've got to do this. we got to be competitive. And uh, we immediately filled up. Now, others that follow my YouTube videos um, will see uh, examples of how we bought, like in our fund one, our, we have one storage facility that we bought 
and it was making whatever it was, sixty to eighty thousand dollars a month. Uh, it's now making uh, over ninety thousand, and our rate, latest rate increases that are going out, we'll put it at over one hundred and twenty thousand. Within a year, we'll double the revenue of that individual asset, and that is only getting started. We'll probably be at one hundred and fifty thousand on that one asset here in a little while. So, that is not gross income doubling has a ginormous impact because if I double my gross income, that usually means I have 3x my net income because my net income is only a certain percentage of gross, but all that gross income moving up goes to net because the expenses are already paid. It goes to my bottom line. So that means that by doubling my income, I will 3, 4x the value of my asset. On that one facility, that means I created 5 to 10 million worth of equity right, in a year for my investors. So that is, and too, by the way, what I explained to you is something that we look for and we find and we map out. But I, it, this is important because first, regulation. I don't want to see rental rate caps. I don't want the government telling us how much we can raise rents and how much we can't. That really kills an entire way of us doing business. Um, revenue management and dynamic pricing, just like airlines, just like hotels do this, right? This is a staple of operations. We cannot pay prices we pay today and not be able to do that. It doesn't exist. You can't do it. We can't give $50 rates on a $200 unit. The industry will go out of business. So storage, who's thriving, still doing great. Everybody wants in. We're doing great. Deals we're finding are amazing. Everything else is getting a lot of attention and not in the way we want it to. And the genie can't go back in the box because technology and how it works, it works. And it works amazingly. And the customers don't care until after it happens. Meaning that because it works, if you don't do it, you can't play the game. And you will fail. So you have to do it. Now, who is going to say, for the greater of the industry, I'm not going to lower rates, get them in, and then up rates when they do it. I'm just going to let my asset fail and say, oh, it was no, it was for the greater of the industry because I'm worried about nobody, right? It's, it, it's, you can't do it. That's what makes me nervous, everyone. I don't have answers. I know you want it. I don't have it. But you need to be aware. Because when you're in a market and you see a 60% rate drop and you say this market's failing... What you don't know is those players in that market are making more money than they were before they did their rent drops. So if you're trying to buy a new asset, understanding in-place rents versus street rents is essential for you to play in this game. You can follow along on the YouTube channel where we can show you stuff. This is something I teach my inner circle and people that are in self-storage income um, follow the links below, but this is one of the prime reasons. And we have entirely our own, and we have built out our own rev management system that is totally proprietary. We don't share that with anybody outside the industry. In my groups, I share parts of it and everything, but my company, Cedar Creek Wealth, it is totally just us. How we look at it, what we do, and it's unlike anything any software provides or does. We do it in combination with it. And we've spent years. The amount of time I have spent thinking, mapping out, doing math, spreadsheets, and we're building a software program out of this for our internal use because we can't manually do it, is mind-blowing the energy that I've spent on this because it is such a big deal. 
and you need to think about it too. So everyone, go to the YouTube video, check it out. This is important. I want you guys to know what's going on. So when you're reading the news, when you're talking to regulators, you can explain it too. When people say you shouldn't do that, you say, tell the airlines they shouldn't. Tell hotels they shouldn't. Why should they be able to and stay in business and why can't we? I don't like it. I don't like paying a thousand bucks for an airline ticket to find out the person next to me paid 80, right? But that's how the only way airlines can make money. That's how hotels work. If you would have bought your room five months ago, you would have paid a half or less what you did in the week prior. And the week after, you would have paid something different, right? So people need to understand, and as people call out and as they're mad, you need to understand what's going on and you need to, to uh, help them. It is all, by the way, it is not so simple, meaning that we had a large discussion on this with the inner circle. Dropping your prices too also, though, creates more turnover. You get more riffraff. You do. You get more problem children. But when you have to compete for it and you have to get it, you know, that's, that's what we got to do. So I'll have more on that coming later. Uh, I've also built out and we made a Twitter thread on the same thing blog. Sign up for the newsletter. The data will be in it. We'll be posting it. And over the coming months, I will show more. I will explain more. And I will teach you how you can be doing this even if you don't have the software systems. Technically, we were doing this in my company before we had any software ever. We were doing it manually. Um, and we still do 50% of it manually on our assets. I'm literally trying to build out software because at our scale and our volume, that is, it's, it's just too hard, right? We can't, we can't keep doing it. Uh, I'll have to have a whole team of people. And uh, so we've, we've, we've got to change, change the game. But all that being said, you can. And if you only have two facilities or one facility, there's no reason to pay for that high-end software. You can use companies like Tenant Inc., who has a property management system, which allows us to do things that no other property management system will do, which can automate some of these things and actually take care of some of the problems that I talked about a little earlier. But then on your side, then you can use Excel and you can and, and you can do this. But if you are in a market that rates are dropping and you're giving away those rates lower and you're like, it's just the market, no, your competitors aren't, They six months later, when you lowered your rate to 50 bucks, because they did, they don't have a rent a tenant paying 50 bucks. So if you do, you're losing. And you can only do that for so long. Even in rate drops, you should be making more money. All right, everybody, please let me know. First of all, you can go to Instagram, go there. Let's talk about it. I want to see. I'm going to be making more short form videos to have open discussion about this. Everyone in my group, which is a huge group, it's $9.99 a month. It's all storage people. You get in. It's our community overlay. Jump in the Facebook groups. Jump in there. And I want people to start talking about it. I want to see data. Show me what you're seeing, everyone. Go on to the YouTube video. Put in the comments what you're seeing in your markets because it's all over the board. And I want to see what's happening just like you do. And the more you share, the more people share with you. That's why I'm on here. That's why I'm doing it. I hope this helps everyone. I'll be providing more data and information. And I hope now you understand what the heck's going on, why there's risk of regulation, why rents are dropping, even though there's high occupancy, and why some people are saying, oh, storage is burning up and it's totally gone. And other people are saying, I'm doing better than I ever had. It's because they're both true at the same time. Thanks, everybody.